Today I want to title this, uh, this, this message, Want Friends? Do you want friends? Just ask yourself the question, do, do I want friends? Depends on who they are, is that? It's been a part of my life ever since I was, a, as long as I can remember, and I think probably most of you share the same, same thoughts. You know, you, you kind of always as a kid, you wanted to have Friends. Grade one, I remember going to school. First time going to school and thinking, you know, a good way to get friends is to impress people. So I decided that in grade one, I would show the kids in my school that I could walk along the top row of the monkey bars. I got three stitches and no friends. I, re- I remember going on to like church every Sunday. And, and back when I was a kid, we went to church twice on Sunday. And one was at, at 10 a.m. The other one was at 2 in the afternoon. And you, you get invited to somebody else's house for like, you know, Dutch soup and chibakias. And uh, that, then, then they'd bring you back for the second service. And I'd always wish, you know, that somebody would invite me over. One of my people that I had tried to impress would say, Hey, Mark, why, why don't you come over today? And I, I just really... I, I, I had this incredible desire to be invited over, and it rarely happened. And I would invite other kids over, and they would say no. I, I know, but I wanted friends. Don't worry, the story gets better. As a teen, as a teen, I, I went to a different church, and at that church there was only... There was only three of us who were teenagers. It was like at the beginning stages of church. Uh, they were planting a new church, and it was cool, and it was the, the, you know, the, the neat place to be, but there was only three of us. And two of the teenagers were the pastor's kids, one pastor and the associate pastor. Their two kids, um, Peter and Paul, good biblical names, they were friends. And I just wished. I wanted to be friends with either Peter or Paul, and if by any miracle chance, both. And... Peter and Paul were good buddies, and then one day my prayers got answered, and Paul invited me over for like three whole days. It was a sleepover. I was like, yes, this is amazing. I spent three days with Paul. And I thought, you know, it's great because I really wanted a friend. Turns out on day two, he was so sick of me already and said, you know, the only reason I invited you is because my mom made me. Don't do that to your kids, by the way. (laughs) But I was like, devastated. I remember being 15, crying in the driveway of his house, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was an unfortunate thing. But, but I kept putting myself in this place because I wanted friends. You laugh. But you, I know. You guys, you're all like this. I'm just telling your story and calling it my name, right? So we've all been like that, right? No? Okay, it wasn't 15, all right? It was 14 and a half. But... Uh, a while back, you know, this thing called Facebook came out and changed, changed our lives. Uh, I was hell-bent on the fact that I'm never going to be a part of Facebook, and my wife was always like, you've got to get on Facebook. It's the newest, coolest thing. If you're, come on, you want to be a cool youth pastor, don't you? Get on Facebook. And I was like, you know what? Face- no, thanks. I really don't need to be on Facebook. And I said, you know what? If you can find 100 people that would, actually, that would want me to join Facebook, then I'll do it. Thinking, there's no way 100 people are going to want me to join Facebook. Well, within, within days, there was a hundred people had started a group, and they were like, if a hundred people, Mark Vanderer must join Facebook. That group is still there. Years after I've already joined and left Facebook, it's still there. Mark Vanderer must join Facebook. Then Facebook. You know, Facebook was the greatest op- opportunity to get friends. 
Just invite them. Want to be my friend? Want to be my friend? Want to be my friend? Poke, 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 poke. And you'd get friends. And you'd watch the stats as they go up on the side. You have this many new friends, this many new friends. Uh, and and you kind of get excited about that. Then, then uh, I realized my brother had like 963 friends. And I'm like, that's insane. I, my little brother cannot be more popular than me. I, I have to have more friends than him. And the friend hunt was on. The never-ending friending was beginning, and I was trying to find, find friends. And many of you were those friends. Thank you for that. I never did catch up to my brother. I don't, know, I, I don't get it. I don't know how he is more popular than me. But I realized something after a while about Facebook, that there's this thing, a thing about this, these friends and these likes. And, and there was one in, instance where one of my friends posted something online about meeting someone famous, and they got a few comments. Well, then a few hours later, they decided to repost the statement to see if they could get a few more comments. So I started thinking, you know what? It's not so much now about posting our lives online because we want to keep everybody up to date. We want to know, do they really like what I'm doing? Do they, are they going to respond? And if not, you know, if enough, enough other people have pushed their post too far down, well, let's repost it again because then more people can see me and like me and be my friend why Facebook is as popular as it is. The guy's a genius. He knows on the inside of people, they all want friends. You can laugh at me, but you all want friends. You just do it differently than I do. Way differently. <laughs> but, you know, I've I, I read an interesting thing this week, that social media is actually, um, is actually kind of a little bit oxymoronic. They're finding out that now social media is linked to increased loneliness and depression in young people and teens. How's that possible? This thing that was supposed to create multitudes of friends is actually creating loneliness uh, as, as, in, in the opposite way. I was thinking, how can you be lonely when you've got a squillion friends? A squillion, that's right. The max you're allowed to have now is 4,999 friends on Facebook because somebody tried to have 200 friends and the site wouldn't work when you have that many friends. So the max amount of friends you're allowed to have is 5,000. But I wondered, you know, are we losing the ability to develop friendships and relationships in the real world? Are, are we losing that? Because Facebook, you know, I'm not anti-Facebook. I call it fake book. You know, it's your fake lives out for everybody to see and your fake friends. And, you know, it's like fake likes. And I, 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 I might say it, but I'm not anti-Facebook as a whole. But one thing I'm starting to realize is that a lot of our communication is becoming so much on that side that we don't we, we forget how to communicate how to build and develop relationships in real ways it's great if you got one just as long as you still have both and i i thought about that you know facebook's great we have a kingsway facebook page if you haven't checked it out please like it you know it's uh there's 73 of you so far <laughs> I, I see there i got glaring eyes at me i, I got facebook fans or something i'm trying to be maybe you gotta just just saying i'm just saying Loneliness is something that I'm—that's what I'm talking about today. Not Facebook. Loneliness. There are there, there's a, this this epidemic of loneliness that's going around. It's it, it's worse now than it was ever before, and yet it shouldn't be. It should be the exact opposite. We have all the opportunities to make friendships, relationships, and yet there's so many people who still feel lonely. It's one thing I love about this place. Every time I hear new people come through here, they're like, "Man, those people are so friendly." They're just like, you just get this sense that they're a big family, that, you know, that they like each other, and, and they probably like me, and it's, it's kind of nice. So 
Good on you for that, because that's exactly what we want to see, to see that continue on and help people to develop quality relationships and friendships. I know in Bible school, a lot of times I used to teach pastors, don't become friends with your parishioners. Don't become friends with the people who go to your church, because then they'll hurt you. And that's probably true. But, you know, I got to say, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not one of those lonely guys. I really, really value the relationship that I have with so many of you here. I, I like the idea of being friends with you guys. I, I like that, that that is, you guys like being friends with each other. I, I like that you're open and friendly with, with people who are on their way to God or looking for Him. Because you know what? That's how Jesus was. Why do you think so many people love to hang around with Him? Because they were pretty friendly people. He had ways of just connecting and relating with people. And uh, that's one thing I want to just talk about today. And, and there's so many that have this desire, inner hunger for friendship and relationship. And there's so many people that are missing out on it. And I want to look at some things this morning to maybe help you a little bit in, in uh, building friendships, quality friendships and relationships at last. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says this, The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for him to be alone. There's a... There's a, a, a something on the inside of us that's created that way. That maybe, you know, there's some who are created to remain single. There's some who are not necessarily going to get married. And that's, you know, from the New Testament, that's okay. But it, they're not talking about them just being alone all the time. There's, there's this need for, for relationship in our lives. Uh, I was talking at a funeral a while back and, and uh, mentioned that that's the reason why funerals are so difficult. It's because there's relationship that's built. It's, it's, that, it's the thing that makes life awesome, and yet it's also the thing that makes the ending of relationships so difficult. But our culture has changed so much over the years that it is against friendship. It really is. You think about it. You know, people spend hours communicating every single day with people alone. They, they hang out in their house on their internet com- communicating with people but they're, they're still alone. They're still by themselves. Houses, even houses, prominent homes, you can probably attest to this, that houses used to be built with massive front porches with a swing. And every day after work, people, you know, you go down to downtown Buffalo, and you see, you walk down there, and there's all kinds of these houses with front porches, and they all sit out on their front porches, and they all, they talk to each other. You walk down the street, you can have a conversation with anybody. Now, it's all back decks with huge fences all the way around, keep everybody kind of inside. And we just don't have that same, just relate with your neighbor, just build friendships, you know, across the, you know, over the fence like Wilson, you know. Howdy, neighbor. I was listening to Leon Fontaine. He's a, probably one of my favorite speakers. And he, he had this, uh, he was doing a series on, on friendship. And he talked about the top 10 reasons, well, or just 10 reasons why some people don't make friends. And I thought, you know what? There's some really, really good stuff there. So I'm going to borrow some of his stuff this morning and let, let uh, and Kingswayify it a bit, but to, to help you to, to, to be able to make friends that, that friendships that matter, friendships that, that build into your life and building into others, creating that atmosphere that, that is who we are, a very friendly place. Um, some of you right now are probably thinking, you know what, I already have all the friends I want. You know, I don't, I don't want any more friends. You know, friends, friends take effort. Friends take work. My question is, what about the people out there who don't have friends, who don't have enough relationships in their life yet, who are spurring them on to, to Christ and what He wants for life? There's such a big, big uh, possibility to, to learning how to build friendships with, with the world, with people who don't know Jesus. Um, 
how's, how, are, how are we going to win the world if we don't really even know how to hang out with them or how to meet them? Ecclesiastes, book in the Bible, Solomon wrote, it's probably the most depressing book in the Bible. It is. It's all about, you know, the futility of life without God. But there's one great, great thing in there. And it's Ecclesi- maybe there's more, but this one's great. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12, it says this. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help them. But someone who falls alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. A lot of times you hear this scripture verse at weddings. You know, it's true. It should be that way. Weddings should be two friends getting married and sharing life together. But it can also be just about regular friendships. Because it doesn't say husband and wife. It says two people. Two friends. They can bring stuff into your life more than just this, this, what it's stating here. You know, when you're down, a friend can be, be a, uh, uh, somebody who can pick you up. When you're, you know, going through a tough time, the friend can be that shoulder to, to cry on. When you're bored, a friend can be like, hey, let's go play paintball. I'll shoot you a whole bunch of times. You'll feel a whole lot better. They, they have that, uh, that ability to bring things into your life. You know, friends, you can, friends are great to have. You can have all the money in the world, buy all the toys, but it's not as fun if you have to do it all alone. Ever try water skiing by yourself? It's so much better with a friend. Friendships are worth finding, they're worth making, they're worth developing, they're worth working on and building. I'm going to give you ten things. If some of them touch a chord in you, write it down, think about it later, maybe write it down the second point so nobody knows which one you were writing down, but write them down. Number one reason why some people have trouble making friends is they... Number one, you've been burned. You've been burned in the past, and you don't. And, and, and now it's tough for you to make friends. It's tough for you to think, you know, I want to reach out a little bit and, and allow other people kind of into my space. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a church. Maybe it's your spouse, and you're angry at them. And, and you know, you, you, you're, you're still with them, but you're, you're not happy with them right now. And there, there's going to have to be some stuff they got to do before it gets back on track. But you know what? If, you, if somebody's burned you, you need to forgive them. You do. You need to let that go. It's like, well, I forgave them. I just don't forget, you know, very easily what they've done. But if you don't forget, if you don't let the, if the hurt's still there, then you haven't really forgiven them yet. If that thing is still hurting you, you haven't let them off the hook. I want to challenge you to take that hurt, take that to God in prayer. He's like, well, I don't feel like forgiving them. Nobody feels like forgiving anybody. Just ask my wife. You know, anytime I've done something real dumb, she doesn't feel like forgiving me. But she does, and I love her for that. But the thing is, the Bible says, don't, don't feel like it. Just do it. It'll be better for you if you do it. And all of these ten, believe me, all these ten, none of them are specifically for anybody here. So if you think, oh, that's me and he's telling, I'm not. I'm just giving you a broad spectrum of things. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 to 26 says this. Jesus talking, he says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, which we've done today. It says, if you believe that you've received, it will be yours. Well, that's cool. But it goes on to say this. When you're praying, though, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. He's talking about some of these things about the answers to prayer. You can have whatever you want, but first you better make sure that you've forgiven those that you have uh, things against. Let that hurt out of your life. Um, You can have what you pray for only if you're willing to let the hurt out. 
Let it, let, don't feel like you got to hold on to it. And you know what? It hinders. Maybe there's relationships that you could be having right now, friendships you could be having that are hindered just simply because you've been burned and you ha- haven't let the hurt go. Number two, second reason why some people have trouble making friends, you're afraid of being known. They're going to find out stuff about me. I'm a high school dropout. I pick my nose when I'm nervous. They're going to see that I'm a slob. They're going to come to my house and realize I've got all kinds of junk. Guess what? Everybody has. Don't point at people. I saw that. (laughs) Everybody has junk. So often, you know, if this is the case, you care way too much about what other people are going to think about you. You know, you can't have people come over to your house, just drop in, because, you know, you've got, you've got a mess, or, or you've got, you know, that life goes on in your house. I remember as, as a, uh, I just remember this story. I can't say any more than that. The, um, these girls, <laughs> these girls had come to, uh, to, to check out a Bible school in, in the town that I lived in, and I was hanging out at somebody's house, and they, um, the girls had come to the house there because they knew this person. So they, they had just driven three hours, and they had to use a washroom bad. And uh, so they came up to the door and like, hey, can we use your bathroom? So the guy went to ask his mother, and she said no. And I was like, she, and so the guy's like kind of all sheepish, goes back to the door, and is like, uh, uh, no, um, uh, no, you can't use our washroom. Like, really, we've got to go. So the guy went back, and he asked the mom again. And then she said, no, no, just send him to the church. The bathroom, you know, it's a mess. You just, whatever. My house is a mess. Send him. And it's like, oh, man. So I watched this poor guy. He has to go back to the door again after making them wait again until uh, there's a church down the road where you can go and use the washroom. And I'm thinking, man, that is insane. And if I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't believe it. But it's, it's true. Sometimes we get to that spot where we got to have, like, oh, someone's coming over. We've got to clean our house for, like, four weeks before they come. Make sure that we got everything in order so that they don't get to know stuff about us. Friends get to know stuff about you. You know what? Put up something. God bless this mess. Put up that plaque in your house or tell them, you know, hey, you know, I didn't clean this place at all. We like the lived-in look. Come and just hang out with us. Maybe you think, man, my house is so small compared to other people's. Who cares? None of that defines who you are. The relationship with you is what matters. Some people have the gift of presentation. They know what forks go where. They know how to put out an amazing spread. And some of us, we have the gifts of store-bought cookies in the bag, on the table, and hey, help yourself. You know, we're going to have coffee and just hang out. That's okay. Totally okay. So often we've got things like this where you're missing out on friendships because of things like that. Don't worry about that kind of stuff. Realize that God loves you unconditionally. If, if we can get that understanding that, hey, you know what? No matter what, God loves me and my store-bought cookies, then you'll realize you don't need anything from anybody else that says, you know, they, they got to approve or whatever. You can just have a friend. Going to zip through number three. Reasons why people have trouble making friends. They have poor social skills. You can't hang on to friendships and pick your nose at the dinner table. It, it, it just doesn't work well. Or not knowing how to get along with people. Not knowing what questions not to ask. You know, so when are you due? Oh, you're not pregnant. Oh. <laughs> so, okay then. Uh, well, what kind of birth control are you using? Um, uh, how much money do you make? Uh, questions. No, just not knowing what questions not to ask. Some people, they think everyone wants to know their opinion on everything. 
This is probably the number one reason I hate Facebook is because people at their home think, ooh, people want to know and just gonna, I'm going to say whatever I want to say because nobody can see. And they just get just as angry on the other end of the computer, but you just didn't get to see and relationships can get broken. They think that they always have to be right. Well, if you're always right, that means someone else is wrong. Another thing is they don't know when to leave. I remember, I remember being young, young and immature back in my old, way, way back. Before we had children, we'd hang out at Wes and Angie's place, and uh, we didn't have kids yet, so we'd stay there till like one in the morning and think, you know, that's all great. We, we'd wake, you know, afterwards, we'd sleep in the next day, and their kids wake up at five, and we just, we just never knew. And you know, they're so sweet. They, they just never told us. Then we had children, and then I realized what it was like all those years to be Wes and Angie. I thought, oh man, you know, I, I've learned something that People have kids. Go home when those kids need to go to bed. It's just simple things like that. I, I know these people. They had uh, they had these. They said, "Hey, we're gonna have people over for co- or for coffee." And well, then coffee turned into supper, and then supper was turned into dessert, and then dessert turned into coffee again. And then about eleven o'clock at night, she finally said, "Hey, uh, you want another piece of dessert?" And they're like, "Yeah." So she went to the kitchen, wrapped it up, put some saran wrap over, it, and said, "Here, take it to go." <laughs> That, that, it worked. But sometimes it's just people don't have that nowhere on the inside that says, hey, you know what, maybe it's time to go. And if you're like one of those people, like you got invited over somewhere once and, and, and you never get invited back again, if that happens all the time, if it happens once, don't worry about it. If it happens all the time, you might want to Google visiting etiquette in North America. I did. It's some amazing stuff on there. But sometimes you might be missing out on quality friendships just because... You don't know when to leave. You're just so excited to have a friend. You're going to stay there all night long. I tried. It doesn't work. Number four. The pie was delicious, actually. Thank you. I ate it all the way home. <laughs> Number four. They're always depressed. They always talk negative. Negative stuff is a great conversation starter. Everybody loves to talk about what's going wrong. You know, our government, you know, the, the price of money, uh, gold, whatever. It's, you, know, you know, my kids, your kids, blah, blah, blah. You know, the church, blah, 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 whatever it is. It, it, and they love to get on that. But you know what? You hang around that long enough. It's like you go to people's houses and all they do is talk negative. You leave that place and you just feel like, Ugh. Honey, why is it when we go to their house all the time, we just leave and feel depressed? Because it's depressing to be around depressing people. Challenging, you know, if you're having trouble making friends, learn to see the positive things in life. Well, I want to be real. No, you want to be negative. Problems aren't problems. You can always find a positive in a problem. Ask your dentist. He loves your tooth problems. He makes lots of money off them. All you got to do is find that. Nobody likes to be around Eeyore. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll just go eat some worms. Anybody want to join me? No, they they don't want to be around that. And it's not that they don't like you. They just don't always want to have to be your happy pill. I see it on Facebook. These people, they take a picture of themselves. Normally it's girls. Might be some of you guys. I don't know. They take a picture, post it, and then they write, I'm so ugly. And then they just wait for like 30, 40 friends to say, oh, no, you're not. You're so beautiful. Oh, we've... And then a few days later, post a new picture. I'm so ugly. Oh, no, you're not. You're so beautiful. Well, guess what happens? Me, the first day, they're like, yeah, you know what? You're so beautiful. 30 people will be your happy pill. Next time, maybe one or two. After that, nobody. Nobody likes me. No, I don't. Th- it's not the case. People will love you. 
they'll, they'll love you if you just, just look at the positive things in life. They can't help but be around that. Number five, they have trouble making friends because they judge people too harshly. They enjoy a friendship until they find something wrong with that friend. Honey, why is it that when we always hang, we hang out with people, every friend we make has something wrong with them? Well, geniuses, everybody has something wrong with them. And it's so easy to find. Um, it, it, it will, ch- it will um, change and, and affect potential friendships just because a lot of times we have different standards. You know, the, there's a great saying that says we judge other people by, uh, or we, we judge, okay, I'm going to read it. Yes, we judge ourselves by our intentions and we judge everyone else by their actions. double standard kind of going on. Met with somebody a while back, and they said to me, you know, hey, as a pastor, you should do this, this, and this, and this, and this, you know, and if you don't teach your church differently, they're all going to go to hell, and you know, they're not even saved, and I'm like sitting there going, holy smoke, boy, this guy's got some, some strong opinion. Then I found out later that this guy, you know, he's, he wants a girlfriend, but he hangs out with these girls, and he, he says it's weird. He's like, I, I spend one day with these people that I'm interested in. It's the first time I hang out for a whole day with them, I always, every time, the next day or day after, I get a phone call. Yeah, yeah, we're done. It's like, it keeps happening to me. Why do you think that is? I was like, uh. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 2, it says this, Don't judge others and you won't be judged. It says this, For you will be treated the way you treat others. The standard you use in judging them is a standard by which you'll be judged. If you got trouble with that, you got this strong opinion about where everybody else is wrong, ask your friends and family to help you out with that. Just give me one of those, yeah, yeah, you're doing it again. Yeah, yeah, you're, uh, yeah. They say if A has a problem with B, C, D, and E, the problem's probably with A. It's probably not everybody else. Number six, some people have a time, tough time making friends because they have unrealistic expectations of their friends. You know, if I'm going to be your friend, well, then I've got to be your best friend. Don't have a rating system for your friends. If you're like a teenager here or even a child, teach them that. Don't have these things where people are your best friend. Well, she's my BFF. The chances of the, the, the best friends lasting, you know, that, that makes whoever else is next. Well, they can't be your best friend, so they got to be the next friend. And as kids, that's one of those things that just rips your heart out, right? You're the best friend one week, best friend forever, and the next week, you're not. So what happened to best friend forever? Well, if that's the case, you're probably going to be the OFF, the only friend forever, because the, the chances of people wanting to be your second best friend, not very likely. Don't have a rating system. Teach these things to your kids as well. It'll help them with their relationships as they build friends, as they're growing up. Unrealistic expectations. You get upset when your friend has a party and they don't invite you. Or they have a get-together or games night or something and they don't invite you. That's an unrealistic expectation to have of people that, that you get to do everything they get to do. When I'm going away, you'll watch my kids. That's an unrealistic expectation to have of people. When I'm doing something, you better be there. You're my BFF. We're fixing the car today. You better come over at 9 o'clock. I'm moving. You're my friend. You need to help me. Painting. All those other jobs we don't want to do. Unrealistic expectations will send your friends running. I met a guy that a while back, and everybody's let this guy down. He doesn't have a friend in the world. And so I, I, I met him, and I was chatting with him, and I asked him, and he, he kind of explained to me one time. He's like, yeah. He's like, he says, everybody lets you down. There, there's nobody out there who's actually a real friend who'll always be there for you. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, yeah. 
I, I know a guy who was like that, you know, Jesus, he'll always be there for you, that kind of friend. But this expectation that friends would, you know, they, they're, people aren't worth being friends with. Well, one day I showed up at his house, it was at night, and I brought coffee. And so, you know, we were supposed to have coffee together, we had it planned, I'm knocking on his door, it's pouring rain, I'm standing out there with two coffees from Tim Hortons, knocking on the door, and no answer. So I go around the other door, and I knock on the other side of the door, no answer. I'm like, crazy, I start texting away, I'm like, hey, knock, knock. No answer. I can hear the TV on in there. I'm thinking, well, I don't really know this guy well enough to just go walk in. So oh, I guess I'll go home and have two coffees before bed. So I went home. The next morning, five in the morning, I get a text. Oh, sleep. He says, I'm so sorry. I can't believe. He says, I slept. I fell asleep. And he says, and, I, and he realized he, he'd done something wrong. Well, I, I said, said, no, Biggie, we'll go out and have coffee again later. Then we're having coffee the next time he tells me, you know what? If, I, if, if, uh, if you had done that to me, he said, I'd never hang out with you again. I'm like, no wonder you don't have any friends. That's, that's just an unrealistic expectation that they're always going to come through for you. And everybody's got different expectations. Expectations just lead to hurt more times than not. You know, maybe your expectation is a best friend is somebody I can talk to for three hours every day on the phone. Have fun finding someone with that same expectation. Think about married people. You get married, you have different expectations. You know, you get married, you think, hey, you know, I can get married, I'll get three square meals a day delivered to me, you know, while I play Xbox, so this life is good. She had different expectations. Number seven, they don't want to be accountable to anyone. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. King James says it this way, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Friends have a right and an obligation to speak into each other's lives. Let me say that again. Friends have a right and an obligation to speak into each other's lives. It's better to be rebuked by your friend who kind of keeps you on the, on the right track than to have everybody else around you who doesn't give a rats about you to, uh, to tell you that, oh, it's all good, everything's going well. Proverbs 27, 17 says it this way, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. When you clash metal and metal together, you get sparks. You know, you might have that in your relationships. You got, you got sparks, but you know what? Those friendships, those relationships are worth having. I have a friend who once told me, we were sitting, we were talking about kids, and, and he said to me, he says, you know what, Mark? He says, I've noticed something about you. He says, you have a, an incredible compassion for people in your church, but you don't have the same compassion for your children. And I was like, ooh, ooh, that hurt. I wanted to go key his car, you know? I was like, <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like it at the time. But as I sat down after and I started thinking about it, I realized, you know what, he's got a point. I hate that it's true, but it's true. And I started realizing and watching and observing the way I, I, I was around my kids after that, I realized, you know what? I do need to change some of these things. And I did change, and I've become a better dad because of it. And I thank him to this day, and he's, he, he thinks I'm kidding. He, like, when I say, you know, thanks for telling me that, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry I did that. I'm like, no, really, seriously, thank you. I actually have a relationship with my daughter that would never be the same if I hadn't, I hadn't had that conversation. Think about the friendships you could be missing out on just because of some of these things. Number eight, poor time management. I could ask, you know, hey, would you like to have great friendships? You're like, yeah, but I just don't have any time. 
There's so much going on in your life, you know. You got work, and then you got dinner, then you got the hockey game, then you got, you know, uh, soccer practice, music practice, the kids have this, this, this. You're, you're going like crazy, and then, oh, I got to go to, you know, all the king's men and band and, and all these things. I just don't have time for friends. Ephesians chapter 5, 16 talks about redeeming the time because the days just go by just like that. I was thinking about it, man. Like, I just thought that yesterday was Reese's birthday. I'm thinking, man, I feel like I just got married, and now I got like a five-year-old daughter. I've been married for like a long time. <laughs> Eight and a half years. <laughs> it's been a while. But it feels like it's just like that, gone. Time management is something we, we, we need, and if you don't schedule your time and find your time and set your time, everybody else will. So we got a calendar, and we decided that we're going to put important things on that calendar. Reese's birthday, Friday, don't plan anything or you're dead. All right, no problem. I know it now. You know, it's amazing what a five-year-old can write. So, uh, <laughs> but, but I realized that, that, I, that there's, there's things where you've where you got to plan. I had somebody call me and say, hey, can we just go out for coffee? I'm like, yeah, you're going to have to put that on my schedule. And uh, finally, he's like, what? i got to plan time to hang out with my friend? I'm like, sometimes, yeah. You're that important. I'm going to set aside time in my daytime or plan it to hang out with you. Your wife, guys, needs time out with the girls. You've got to schedule that so that that happens. Once... For the record, Norma, if you're listening to this, Tom said. <laughs> but send her out with your visa, not your visa. Send her out with cash. You know, a decent amount of cash and just let her go. You know, my wife just went on a scrapbooking retreat. I'm like, that sounds as boring as, I don't know. Like cleaning toilets. You know, like they're on the same level for me. You know, it's, I, I can't get excited about doing either one. But she comes back happier. She comes back at 11 o'clock at night last night, 11.30. She's like sitting there. and just, I'm like, how are you? She's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, great. I'm, I'm a little tired. I'm like, what'd you do? Oh, I was scrapbooking. I was cutting pictures and putting them on paper. And I, I forgot my scissors, but it was amazing, you know. And, and, and then we stayed up till like 3 o'clock in the morning. And Max got up at 5. I had like three hours sleep. It was awesome. And I was scrapbooking all day long. We stopped for a little bit to eat, very little. And then we kept putting paper. And I'm like, it's 11.30 at night. You just had a few hours of sleep last night, and you're like, this? I'm like, all right. But then she's like, no, I just want to go to sleep. So, uh, <laughs> but we had, we had church tomorrow. But uh, there's, there's a sense of, you just see how excited she is from doing something like that. Why she need time out? Guys, you're, women, your husband needs time out. He needs to go out and hang out with the fellas. He needs to go play hockey or hit a golf ball or go camp out in Algonquin Park in the freezing cold weather. He'll come back happier. You don't understand why, but he will. But plan those kind of things. As a couple, you need to, you need to have people over to your house. You need to go and hang out with other couples because, you know, you'll find out. You think, man, we got all kinds of problems. Go hang out with somebody and realize, well, we got no problems. <laughs> wow. You know, everybody's got disagreements. Everybody's got differing opinions. I realize sometimes it's sacrifice to do that. I gave up Friday night hockey with the guys in the, you know, in Simcoe to, to instead have Friday night family night. And it's been the best thing that I've ever done. I thought, you know, as a daddy, I'm always going to have time for my family. Guess what? You don't. Somebody else will always plan that. Friday nights, it's 
what I'm doing. Plan time for friendship. It's so worth it. Last two, real quick. Number nine, show yourself friendly. If you want friends, the Bible says be friendly. Take initiative. Invite people over. Nobody's inviting me over for coffee. How many people have you invited? Go out there on like a mission. Like, I am going to make friends. I'm going to have somebody over. Go out and invite ten people. If they all say no, get breath mints and ask another one. (laughs) You know, go, go make a point of it. So many people wait so long for somebody else to be interested in them. They want friends so bad, and they're willing to do nothing about it. Go do something about it. That that desire is there, and it's God-given in friendship. There's somebody on the other side of your invite who's waiting for the exact same thing. Don't get intimidated. Just aggressively pursue it. It's so worth having genuine friendships. And number 10, some of the reasons, and it's not in any order, but why people have trouble making friends is their life just gets in a rut. If you're not careful, you'll find out that your regular routines just totally uh, structure your life out of having new friendships. You know, you get home after work, dinner's at 5, dishes at 5.30, the news is at 6, then you watch the hockey game at 7, it's over at 9.30, unless it goes to overtime, then 9.45, then, you know, brush your teeth, have a little snack, then brush your teeth again, then go to bed and read a half an hour book and you're asleep by 10. Wake up, do it all over again. They say a rut is like a grave with the ends kicked out. There's just no life in there. Philippians 3.13 talks about forget all the stuff that's going on behind you and reach forward to the things that are ahead. What are you reaching forward to in your life? What's ahead for you? Do something different. Shake things up a bit. Maybe even in your house, you know. Your marriage is getting a little bit, you know what? Surprise your wife. Just do something she would not expect. Don't be so predictable all the time. You know, my wife, there's just things like she'll go away and I'll decide, you know what? I'm going to clean the whole house. She comes home and thinks I hired a maid to clean it. I was like, no, really, really, I did this. And she's like, no way you didn't. I know how you clean, and it ain't like that. So this time she went away to decided I'll surprise her. I, I won't clean the house. <laughs> it's, not, it's not as effective. Invite some people over for dinner. Make sure you let her know, but invite some new people over and just get to know some, do some things differently. There's, so, there's various levels of friendships You know, you're not necessarily going to be on that heart-to-heart. You know, you meet somebody and you tell them your whole life story. Those kind of friendships. But you're going to have some of those. You're going to have some that we call acquaintances. But you know what? Acquaintance is such a word. You're just friends. There's different levels. And both are worth having. And both are worth being. My challenge to you today is to not lose the ability to make real, genuine, lasting friendships in a world where the opposite is happening more than not. Let's be the church that's like anti-loneliness. That you come here, you're going somewhere for lunch. You didn't buy that, did you? I got nothing in my house. Somebody invite me over. <laughs> but let's be that. Let's be a, let's be, continue to be a friendly, friendly church. That's what they say. As churches get bigger and more people get in, they lose that. Let's just be different. Let's not lose that. Let's be who we were meant to be, called to be. Let's be, let's be a friendly church. Yeah? Let's pray. God, thanks for...